Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. So this is the first episode of my new show, which is about women and the workplace and success. When I was a reporter for Marketplace, I developed a real passion for the topic of women in the workplace. The reporting I did convinced me there really are differences between the way men and women behave at work and the experiences they have there. And obviously, many women's experiences aren't that positive. We know only 3% of Fortune 500 companies have female CEOs, and women are increasingly dropping out of the workforce at a certain point rather than trying to juggle work and family. Meanwhile, women are actually graduating college in greater numbers than men. I'm going to talk about the big things and the small things that inhibit women from getting as far as many of them would like and how they can achieve success and visibility at work. Talking of visibility, something I never really thought about until recently was how few women you see in the opinion column of newspapers. It turns out around 80% of op-eds in this country are written by men. If you're wondering what this has to do with careers, op-eds bring the writer attention, obviously, sometimes nationally and certainly within their organisation or industry. But they can also lead to things like speaking engagements, book deals, even movie deals sometimes. The Op-Ed Project is an organisation based in New York that works with women and minorities to get their voices into the public sphere. They run workshops and seminars for everyone from university professors and retirees to women who are about to leave jail. Catherine Lanford leads a lot of the op-ed project seminars. And we are their coach and their editor and their teacher. And we have had remarkable success. At Yale alone, we now have the head of the physics department, the first woman to ever do so, is now a regular columnist at CNN.com. We have a public health scholar who, with one piece, found herself on cable television, commercial talk radio, and public radio. And let me tell you, that was quite an introduction to the world outside the academy. And, and that's, that's the whole point of the op-ed project. That's the whole point of these fellowships, is to take these women and other minority voices who have so much expertise locked up um, within their own worlds and to get them to go out into the world so that they can actually have much more influence. I told Catherine and her colleague Katie Orenstein something a girlfriend said to me recently over dinner. Once women have a family, they're busy not only working but doing most of the childcare and housework as well. They don't have time to think lofty thoughts, form them into an argument and try to get them published. Their priorities are different. Op-Ed Project President Katie Orenstein chimed in. Well, I want to start with this is not about writing op-eds. This is about who narrates the world. And that's pretty important. If we live in a racist, classist, sexist world, that's because we aren't necessarily the ones writing the script. And if we think that matters, then we should start writing the script. And if women and minorities haven't written much of the script, Katie says, at least part of the reason is they don't see other people like them getting their opinions out in public. But from my perspective, the whole idea of putting my opinion out there felt very uncomfortable until quite recently. And a lot of that is down to my background. 
No, as, I, as I've said to you in emails, I mean, I always joke that being English and female is a double whammy because, you know, you're A, you're female, and B, you're brought up in a culture that at least when I was growing up discouraged any kind of boasting or you know, putting yourself out there in any way. We almost always attribute what's going on to virtues, or, or even maybe attribute isn't the wrong word, it stems from virtues. And the virtues that people express repeatedly are humility, modesty, responsibility, like I don't want to speak beyond what I, I can responsibly say I know, and selflessness. And what, what I think, and I think we all kind of feel the same way about this now in our, our team, which is it's, a, it's an abuse, we're seeing an abuse of those virtues. So it's like selflessness to the point of self-abnegation, where we're not sharing our knowledge with anyone. If we think about whether or not we know enough or whether or not we're, how we're going to look or whether or not people are going to disapprove of us, that's all very limiting. And if we instead focus on what we know that might be of value to other people or what we could create that might benefit of other, other people, it's a much more empowering way to be. I'm about to trample on my inner Brit critic and try and retrain myself this way. I'm taking one of their seminars at the end of the month. Money is generally viewed as an important way to empower yourself, and to get more money, at least as an employee, you generally need to ask. I know I'm not the only person who dreads talking to the boss about how much I'm worth and why I deserve more. Studies show women negotiate their salary less often than men, and when they do, they tend to back down sooner. Here's a story I originally did for Marketplace Money at the request of a listener who admitted she hated negotiating and wanted some tips. She's the first person who appears in the piece. Kate Scarcella and her husband used to earn the same salary. They're both engineers. They work at the same company in Connecticut and started at the same time. Four years later, her husband brings home $14,000 more than she does. Scarcella says it all comes down to self-promotion. He's great at it. Every time he has a review, he names his price. And for me, I'm like, wow, I've done a fantastic job here. Thank you very much for noticing. And then kind of leaving it at that. So why doesn't she push her boss on the money issue? I think it's because I don't want to put her in an uncomfortable situation to, you know, go to bat for me. I want to, you want to make people happy. It may sound crazy that Scarcella would pass up the chance of a raise because she wants to please her boss, but Julia Dawson can relate. She works in the fashion industry in New York. I first talked to her last year. I'm just really shy standing up for myself at the end of the day. I think it's something that you're just not taught to do as a, as a little girl, and I think, you know, for me it just causes me a lot of anxiety because it basically allows, it basically says, hi, I think I'm worth this and I deserve this. Dawson says discussing her negotiating angst on the radio made her think even harder about how to do better. This spring, a former colleague tipped her off to an opportunity at another company. She researched fashion director salaries. In her interview, she asked for a 35% raise. They said yes. And this is also a company that, you know, they only give two weeks holiday and they make you earn it the entire year. And I was like, no, you're giving me three weeks. And I got three weeks and they don't give it to anybody else. The experience has done wonders for her confidence. But if you can't imagine being that self-assured under pressure, Sara Lashava says you just need to master a few skills. She's co-author of the book, Ask For It. Practice negotiating where the stakes aren't as high. Negotiate for lots of little things. Like getting your spouse to do more housework or getting a reduced price at the store. Then build up to a salary negotiation. Rope in a friend or colleague who will play a tough boss. 
So you ask for something and the other person acts like it's ridiculous. You're crazy. You're nuts. You know, I can't imagine that you think that's fair. Rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what I was thinking. You say, okay, uh, I've surprised you or we're clearly far apart. What do you think would be more reasonable? But what if all this sounds like too much work? Sheila Wellington is a professor at NYU's Stern School of Business. These days, she teaches negotiating techniques, but she was no expert back in the early 70s when she asked her first boss for a raise. He looked me in the eye and he said, I could get people like you for $10,000 a year and a hot lunch at noon. She fled the room and didn't ask him again. After all, her husband had a good job. But a few years later, some of her staff approached her to complain. Sheila, we're getting paid less than others who were doing the same work, and that's because you're getting paid less. You've got to get paid what you're worth. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your peers. You owe it to your kids. Okay, so if all this has convinced you to go back to the table, there's one unpalatable truth you have to swallow. Sarah Lashiver again. When women are perceived to be boasting, their likability plummets. She says bosses of both sexes are less likely to reward women who negotiate aggressively. Fashion director Julia Dawson knows from her own experience that it's a fine line. But she says keep smiling while sticking firmly to your guns and know when to stop talking. Let there be pregnant pauses. Don't flutter like, you know, your boss is looking at you. They, they know these games. They, they're the ones that play them. And since that story aired, Julia Dawson has left the fashion industry and become an entrepreneur. She now co-owns Frolic in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which she describes as a rock and roll play space for urban kids and their parents. OK, that's the broad experience for this week. Coming up on the show next time... Most young women who are coming out of college perform really well. For so long in our lives, we're taught that if you get good grades, if you achieve results, then you're going to be rewarded. Um, the problem is that life really is not the meritocracy that we're so taught and that is so reinforced. Tiffany Dufu of the White House Project on the tactics women need to employ to become leaders. Next time on The Broad Experience. Feel free to let me know what you think about the show in the meantime. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.